Check, check, one, two. Check, check, one, two.
I'm really bad, you'll know I had a bad board meeting. I'm just trying to turn around and get back at other people. Hey, Mike. Squad third recommended. How are you? Nice beard, Mike. Okay, it is 5.03. Apologize for being late. Call this meeting to order. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Okay, so I'll be taking roll. Um, Trustee Thompson? Here. Trustee Charlin? Here. Trustee Banerjee? Here. And Trustee Lawrence? Here. We have a quorum. Thank you very much. The consent agenda, I would normally ask for approval in one fell swoop, but because we have members that were missing at different meetings who, can, um, who can't vote for certain approval of minutes, I think we'll do them one by one if that's okay with you. Okay, so uh, the minutes of February 2nd, uh, motion to approve? I move. Second. Any discussion? Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Any? No, okay. Okay, minutes of March 2nd. Um, I'll, I'll take a motion to approve. Second. Any discussion? Yes. I was not at that meeting, so I don't know what happened. So, uh, so we'll really. So we'll just reflect that in the minutes of, of the, as an abstention. Okay. Okay. Great. And um, minutes of April sixth. I have. Okay. I'll take a motion to approve. So moved. And can you all second? second? Excuse me, uh, Trustee Banerjee. And, uh, let it be noted that I was absent. So was President Lawrence. I have one typo on page five. Um, the CIO reported that we are in the processes of reviewing. I think it should mean process. So with that correction, um, all those in favor say aye. Aye. And uh, so we're done with that. And uh, so just just be clear. So so those, we have the ayes. Any noes? Well, no, the two eyes were here, and the two yeah. abstentions were the two who, yeah, couldn't, and, buy, and who couldn't vote yes or no because they weren't paying attention. Yeah, and so if we could just go to your eyes and then two abstentions, so that way we could maybe point back at you. Okay. Okay, so we're good to go now. Okay, great. Thank you. Untrainable, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no retrospective review of uh, prior contract approvals. Um, so we'll go for contract approvals. Um, 
Cap 3, item A, has been withdrawn. So uh, we'll go to uh, item B, which is the nine agreements with GE Healthcare. Ira. Okay. Um, with regards to this, yes, we have a total of nine proposed agreements with GE. Um, they are roughly batched, if you will, into one, which is a new CT scanner that will be to support our new certification as a level one trauma center. Um, in addition, we are systemizing and upgrading all of our EKGs, or ECGs, excuse me, across the system. So you will see under quotes for agreement number two, number three, and number four are various ECGs per facility for in order Alameda Hospital, Highland Hospital, and San Leandro. Um, one of the things I noticed when I was reviewing this, in case one of you had a sharp eye as well, was that if you divide the contract value for each one of these ECG agreements by the proposed number of ECGs, and despite the fact that each of these ECGs is exactly the same type of unit, you will find that the per unit rate is different. I was interested in that, and the reason is as follows. The lowest per unit rate is for San Leandro, and that's because we're only buying the base unit. There's nothing in addition. For Alameda Hospital, which has a slightly higher per unit rate, that is because it includes a clinical training kit, and that is at $295 extra per unit. And for Highland, which has the highest per unit rate by a little over $1,000 more than the per unit rate of San Leandro, that is because in addition to including a clinical training unit for each unit, it also has, quote, algorithm software upgrades, which are slightly over $1,000 each, and these allow the following. The implementation of an acute coronary syndrome analysis, which essentially prompts the physician who is using the ECG if the read looks like it has something that is, according to it, a heart problem in the ACS category, and it flags it for them. It kind of is a physician prompt. In addition, there is also a critical values feature that we're purchasing as part of the software that helps presumably to flag certain elements that are in the read of a certain patient, and the physician is again reminded, oh, this patient looks like he or she has such and such, you may want to do this or that. So it's a little bit of an extra. I am not aware of why they wanted to have that extra level at Highland versus the other facilities, but it may have something to do with the intensivity of the patients treated as well as the trauma center designation. But I did want to upfront acknowledge the reason that there is a difference in the per unit price. I was concerned about that, so I'm glad you explained yep, it. Absolutely. I didn't notice it. <laughs> and I was just thrilled to read it's level one trauma center. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Still in pending. Yeah, I still would like to hear a little bit more. I mean, if there's an upgrade available mm -hmm. um, that would allow for some additional algorithms that would help physicians with the individual diagnostic, why would we not work with that across the entire system? I guess I would like that question answered. Okay. I will follow I mean, up I with that. It also raises some risk management issues as well, right? If something is happening in one of those facilities, could it possibly? It's a fair question. I don't know. I would like to have that question. I will so we're going to pull that item? Do we 
membership was. No, I assume we would approve it and we would have an answer back. Because Gary's question, I had something similar in the sense that you explain the difference in the dollar amount, but I would like to know what the process was and why one hospital would choose this and another hospital would choose this if, in fact, we're trying to standardize our care. And it could be just as simple as somebody looking at the contract and checking this box to buy versus somebody else checking another box to buy. So I don't know why we would have those kinds of differences. I'm assuming, just when I looked at it, I assumed based on volume that the hospital with exponentially tenfold more of a patient volume would have to pay for different equipment than smaller hospitals providing just as much. I'm just assuming. Yeah, because we're standardizing across the system, that shouldn't suggest to you that that means that we will do everything the same across the system. There will be, by necessity, some things like, for example, interventional services that we do here that we don't do somewhere else, invasive procedures that we do at one place that we don't do. But across the system, some of the ways in which we're standardizing, the technology is the same, the ability to view that technology across the system so that we can see as appropriate what's happening at one time. Well, those were the things that came in my mind when he talked about one having a software, a different kind of software, and then another had a training component. So it was the training component and the software that raised my interest. I see. Okay. We can ask. I actually don't know. I'm imagining because this is a contract that goes across and just has differences by site that there was actually the same group looking at all of these. Yes, the same business owner did the entire analysis. Yeah, so I'm imagining that those people did. It wasn't a situation where one person saw it at one place and they came from three different places and people are just aggregating it from that. But we can confirm. I mean, we can certainly look more into it. But, I mean, again, a lot of these, I mean, as you look at it, I mean, for example, the ECG machines, they're all the same ECG machines. They just have different components that we're looking at or accessories that we're looking at getting with each of those units based on the utilization of the facility. For example, I don't do any training at San Leandro Alameda, but we do training here because we have residents here. So we want to have that component, that feature here. So, I mean, those are the things that we're looking at. So, in other words, it's about being fiscally responsible and not buying things that we don't need or we're not going to use. Okay. So that's what we're trying to do. Okay. I'm fine with that. Thank you. Okay. All right. Should I proceed with the rest of the contract? For GE, that is. Yes, please continue on with the case. And Gary has – you're going to come back and answer his question. If we're still talking GE and you have questions on GE, please continue. Well, no, I mean, it's fine for us to move forward because I would assume that the software is an add-on anyway. So if the answer comes back that, you know, there isn't a really good reason for us to have a different software operating that particular piece of equipment, then I think we can revisit some of that as well, correct? Correct. And we'll give you that information. And, again, I want to clarify. I mean, again, the units, the main operating system, all of that is the same. It's different modules, add-on modules that we're looking at that we'll make sure we clarify. If it's a diagnostic tool that will help the practitioner, then I think we need to say, like, well, why did we do it here? Correct. And, again, a lot of that, just for your information, and we'll clarify all this, but, you know, some of that is also related to privileging, right? So there's, you know, for some of these procedures, you know, the providers or the people using the piece of equipment have to be privileged to do so. And so if we're not, again, doing those types of procedures, we don't have the volume of support that activity at these other facilities. So those are the things that we're looking at, and that's how we leverage the entire system as a whole. But we'll drill down and we'll get you that information for sure. And not to be difficult, but I have one more question. Go ahead. As we're looking at kind of the new EHRs, and I know 
piece of equipment will interface with the EHR. So are we also looking and need to make sure that whatever we're purchasing is going to interface with both the systems and the equipment? I mean, this would be the time to begin to say, you know, we're putting in new ECGs. Are these ECGs going to be able to connect up to the EHR? Yeah, I, that's and and I, I would I would I would go as far as saying that. say that uh, I mean it's a fair question where you know we want to make sure but the the, uh, the interconnectivity between these systems and how they download information pertinent information to the medical record I mean that's pretty standard you know it's usually an HL7 connection that comes out of all these uh, pieces of equipment so every single diagnostic piece of equipment that we have not only in in, in at the facilities and you know this is this mostly this is portable pieces of equipment uh, it does connect directly and it does uh, allow for that transfer data but again we'll, we'll so in the processing of choosing these contractors, in, in this instance about the software, does does it go through David as well, Gavender? IT is involved in the process. Oh, so somebody in IT is looking to see whether or not what we purchase here. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Through through every every uh, part of our part of a part of our capital acquisition process is that we have several key area stakeholders. For example, facilities does a review to make sure that does it require any specific power requirements or does it require any type of infrastructure. We have IT review it to make sure that, hey, does it interface, does it work and collaborate with our systems, uh, those types of things. So there's a form that we use as, a, as a, a checklist to make sure that we've had all key stakeholders review and evaluate to make sure that it meets and we have everything to support that piece of equipment so we don't order it, get it, and then it just sits there because we can't use it. Should we have that on, on our um, summary? We, we say that um, coordination with medical staff runs through IT department. So it would be horrific to spend $2 million at this point to find out a year from now that it doesn't plug into our EHR. Here's, here's, well, here's a suggestion. You, you could do it that way. Here's um, question. Yeah, yeah. So as a response, uh, you could do it that way, or you could, what we could do, we, we did, when the, the thing about the coordination with medical staff was uh, specific to a sort of a uh, longstanding challenge or perceived challenge in some cases that we had in terms of coordination between uh, relevant stakeholders in the medical staff and, and the administration for some of our processes. Um, and a joint commission requirement, my <laughs> general counsel is reminding me. Um, um, our general counsel is reminding me. Um, so, so that's why we, we did that. But what we could do just to kind of, as a sort of a re-level setting um, uh, for the committee is uh, do maybe take a agenda item in a meeting and walk through what the sort of review process is for these contracts so you can see the standard sorts of things that happen with every contract in terms of uh, the committee gets a vet, IT sign off, and other stakeholders who um, uh, who have to vet something or touch it and either confirm that it's okay or does it does it have any implications for the line item. If you'd like that, we could yeah, kind of show quick you that. Yeah, quick presentation for yeah. next meeting could be done on that. That would be good, I think. Yeah, we'll put one of those rebates in there. doesn't always easily connect but if it goes through a process the way Luis has said couldn't you just add a box 
to the bottom of the form the way IRA has. And if it's, if it's not a technical thing, you know, it's not a software issue, you just put NA. If it is, if it is, then you know that IT has seen it. We could. I'm, I'm suggesting, thank you, Dave, um, uh, that it might just be helpful for you to know all the elements of kind of the review that occurred if you're interested. But if you want us to, that's one way you can do it. If you just want to now as a matter of kind of refine the review process for you at, you know, IT review or IT assessment or validation or whatever you want. Facility we could, review we check, could, we IT could review check. I think yeah. it would be helpful if it doesn't really burn. I mean, if you're going through the process anyway, yeah. we're not asking for an explanation or a name, just a check. Right. It was in either or. So if that's what you prefer, that makes it easier for you to know that it's been done, uh, then we could do that too. So I, I'm not Well, it would save, you, save us asking you questions and did it go through IT, did it do, right. you know, did it go through, so, so we could sure. just look on the thing and say, because uh, when you added the medical thing, and I remember mm -hmm. being in that meeting that mm -hmm. it was designed to put that medical thing on there, mm -hmm. it's been really helpful just to see that the medical people yes. have, have gone okay. through yeah, it. Yeah. So okay. I, I think, we can do it. I mean, that doesn't preclude you if you want to show us what the process is. I'm not suggesting you, you well, don't do that, but it so do you, do you would you like both? Because we could just focus on this and do that, or we could still do both. I mean, it, it sounds like you want to do this, and we can do well, that. Well, I think the boxes on to include the departmental checkoff is definitely a request. Okay. And at some point, whether it's next time, I mean, we could 10 minutes to walk us through the process. If we had 10 minutes on our agenda, that'd be great. I'd like that. Okay, so we'll do both. Because yeah. we don't know what the scope okay. of the process is. Any other comments on um, the GE? Do you have anything? Um, you have to walk um, through the rest actually of Actually, I was going to walk through, but um, we had just gotten through um, agreement number four. Yep. And then starting with agreement number five, this begins what will be three separate agreements with the proposed acquisition of various ultrasound machines or devices. Um, these are somewhat different in each type, as the model names would indicate, as well as the pricing. And they essentially vary in the type of imaging that they do, as well as the location that they are placed on or in the body in order to obtain the image. And so one of them I would draw your attention to, which is agreement number six, is actually necessary, as I understand it, in order to facilitate the implementation of our um, electrophysiology services, which we hope to do beginning July 1st. So this is one of the elements necessary for that. I would also like to draw the attention of the board to the fact that the Valley Foundation has given us a grant that is to defray the costs of agreements number five, six, and seven, the ultrasounds in question, and moving down to line item number eight, that is one of two service agreements. This service agreement number eight in clarity is to cover all of the devices proposed here that aren't EKGs. The other proposed agreement number nine is for service and maintenance for the bundle of proposed EKGs, or ECGs, I'm sorry. Um, and with that, that is essentially what's being proposed here at this time. Um, there's a total proposed spend associated with this of 2.3 if you roll it up million. Now, to explain the large amount of small print that follows the table that we're on, um, that is a description of all of the prior agreements entered into with GE Healthcare that became effective over the course of this fiscal year. And that's just so you have the backstory of everything that we have already encumbered, and then we're on top of it. This is the delta, if you will. Um, to move down from that to the bottom of the following page, you will see the box entitled Contract Type and Term, 
This is now a summary of all of the proposed agreements by um, term date. And the termination clause section on the following page um, indicates the termination language. And this one is for breach only. We do our best to implement without cause termination language so that we can exercise that if we choose to. However, GE is a rather difficult entity with which to negotiate, and they don't really negotiate in many instances like it's our way or the highway. So this is what we have done. But we do try our best, and we review all the language. Now, moving down to the next section, total spend with vendor. Again, this aggregates up all of the proposed spend by agreement type as well. One of the things we tried to do to make it a little more clear is to bold those items which are before you for your approval or review, whereas we do indicate any underlying agreements that we believe are underlying baseline, and we did not put those in bold. So that's where you see the 5.5, if you will, million. That's the amount encumbered already in this fiscal year. The remainder is the aggregation of what's proposed here for you, and then the new total amount of encumbrance, if you approve all of these proposed agreements, will then switch to 7.755 for, for this fiscal year. Um, under the cost, oh, one of the things I'd like to say is that I did do a quick calculation of the total proposed spend of 2.3 roughly million. About 1.4 million of that is funded by grants. So 60% of what's before you is funded by non-AHS dollars. Okay. Um, I tried to make your life easier. Thank you. So for the uh, the ultrasound, ER, is that the ERCP ultrasound? The GI, the um, agreement six, the vivid, the GI procedures, right? No, the number six is like for cardiac. the cardiac procedures. Oh, cardiac, okay. No, that's for the EP procedures that we're looking at embarking upon here very soon. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then to hopefully bring it home, um, under the estimated grand total, the next cost is estimated cost savings. Um, we were able to do our best, and in this case, we negotiated a total of almost $300,000 in aggregated savings over list price. So there was some Is savings. that good, 12%? Yeah. That's reasonably good, considering GE doesn't always negotiate very well. We were fortunate. Um, and then let's see, moving on. Ah. Um, with regards to coordination with medical staff, obviously this is very clinically impactful equipment. So we confirmed that in addition to the business owner who requested this, that individual coordinated with the director of cardiovascular services and imaging, which was actually the business director, excuse me, as well as the chairs of radiology and the chairs of cardiology. So and the right people were in the room. Um, and that is, that is all I have on GE. Are there any other questions that I can answer? Any questions? Take a motion to approve. It's only three months of this one by then. Approval. Second. Um, all in favor say aye. 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 Any uh, opposed? Any abstentions? Mr. Manning. Okay, then we'll go to uh, number C, Eldridge Construction. Eldridge Construction. 
Um, this one is perhaps a little more simple and straightforward. Eldridge Construction is a company that specializes in medical facility improvements and construction related thereto. Um, they are also located in Alameda County as a local provider. Um, we have asked for them to be able to provide services to help repair the roofs that had become damaged over time and as a result of exposure to elements at the Alameda Hospital campus. Um, I can define a little bit more clearly here, somewhat down. Both the Alameda Hospital entity itself as well as some of the South Shore buildings, defined as the campus in this case, basically due to age as well as deferred maintenance and service lives that are in many instances past what would normally be agreed as their useful service life, um, have become damaged and especially in the torrential downpours we had in the most recent winter, um, the scope of the problem became clear. So it was after careful consideration and also asking Eldridge, the company in question, who already has an underlying agreement with us to provide certain services, to take a quick look. They also determined that, yes, the roof was basically structurally not capable anymore of being patched and repaired. So again, it is time to trade in and get a new one in their opinion. So AHS leadership took all of that under consideration and decided to ask for permission to proceed with this agreement. Um, let's see. I have a question on fiscal implications. It says there's no negative fiscal implications. Agreement has been included in the CapEx planning budget. It says, is this the planning budget that's been approved? It's planning to me it's not approved. And if it's not approved, it means there's a fiscal impact. That I do not know. I, in this case, my department relies upon what information is provided to us by the business owner in many instances with regards to the situation. If we inadvertently use the word planning and that may not have been what's the case, I would apologize, but I can't actually speak to that right now. I'm not this sure. This reads it's an unbudgeted. So, so I, think, I think, so let me, let me clarify here, and, and again, it may be just the way that it's being worded. We have a capital budget that was approved for the organization for system that the board approved last year. This is part of that capital budget. Mm. And so what we're looking at here is that, you know, as part of our planning efforts of how we're allocating and using those dollars that have been approved under the capital expenditures, this the roof was repair wouldn't be CapEx, it'd be R and M. The way now? No. The roof no. repair would be would not wouldn't be a capital mm -hmm. expense unless we knew about it when we were planning it the year before. It was gumbling not a repair job. Yes, it's not a repair. It's what, what we do, uh, um, and you'll see this with the new budget, um, uh, there are s some specific items on the capital budget that are tied to, you know, actual expenditures that we know we want to make, and then in things like IT and facilities, we do budgets that um, uh, put categories for uh, tier one, tier two types of things. And some of those we have some specificity around, like these are things that we want to get done. Others, we put them in buckets just to realize that things can happen that we don't If this is under the threshold of an approved capital budget, then that's, we're fine. That's that's not what it, it's not yes. what it says. So. Yes. Okay. So that's okay. that's what it was intended to convey. I have a question kind of unrelated to the contract itself. Um, because of some of the occasional, what I would call political, rattling the chain from Alameda. Um, you know, we don't want to use our money and uh, and not certainly not from trade basis. I do fully understand the issue. But um, as I have attended some meetings, there's this, why are we, I, I, I don't get it. 
So my question is, are we keeping very specific track of the expenditures that are going on at that hospital specifically? Um, because I think it would behoove us at some point in time to be able to have a very serious accounting of the dollars that have gone over there to show that they are not being ignored as they often say they feel they feel as if they are. Um, so do in your accounting, David. think that it's really important and at some point in time we might want to be able to show to show the board or, or we can just see the report that goes to them mm -hmm. that yeah, that's yeah. We, we can do that as well yeah, I, um, I find a lot of the people who complain and or, or just have not been there in the last five years that's and, right and don't realize just how much uh, you walk in the place and it's significantly yeah. and it would be just nice to have those dollars at some point in time Okay, mm -hmm. particularly if that partial tax comes new, renewed again at some point. Um, so, okay, thank you. Any other questions? Ira, do you have anything else of note? Um, in this case, I think that um, essentially does it, but to actually say what is on the paper, the proposed statement of work for the repairs is for a total of 1.2 million, and the aggregate new spend encumbered during this um, fiscal year would then be 1.33. I noticed that you didn't assign this, um, so maybe that's why the fiscal thing wasn't on. That may have been an oversight. Now that the uh, rainy season's <laughs> over, if we wait till July, will we get a better deal? That I can't tell anyway, you. Anyway, if there are no other questions from the trustees, um, I'll take a motion. So moved. I second. Uh, all in favor say aye. 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 Uh, any noes? Any abstentions? None noted. Thanks so much. Let's move on to item D, um, our contract with the University of California, UCSF um, Department of Surgery. Um, this agreement um, is actually our, what many people generally refer to as our trauma agreement, but it actually contains much more, which we endeavored to provide as part of the summary in the description here. Um, as a quick run through, the services here are provided primarily at Highland Hospital. However, there are also services provided at San Leandro at this time as well. Um, focusing on Highland, the majority of the services can be broken into a number of categories. One would be considered scheduled services when we have OR block time, and it's for various surgery specialties, including general, thoracic, and vascular. They enable the staffing so that that can happen. In addition, the trauma components of how this is um, normally titled is they provide on-site and on-call trauma 24-7, 365. 
This includes a surgeon who is on site at all times, and at the same time, there is a second surgeon who is on call to respond in case of need, so it's too deep. Um, in addition, there is on-site and on-call surgical intensive care unit coverage, and they also, in addition to providing the actual surgeries, if you will, then looking forward to there's prep and there's follow-up. There are s clinics that they have scheduled that they also staff for general surge, breast, vascular wound, trauma, and minor surgery as indicated here. Um, in addition to the provision of professional services and call, they also provide a number of administrative positions, including the chair of department of surgery, I'm sorry, the medical director of the associate medical directors of trauma, and the medical director of the SICU. And in addition, they also round out um, by providing and supporting our teaching mission by serving as faculty for the surgical department residency training programs and providing staff for the residency program director and the associate residency program director, um, as well as providing regular didactic and clinical teaching. So that, again, is everything in a large nutshell that they provide grossly at Highline. In addition, they also provide surgi surgical coverage services at San Leandro. Now, San Leandro is not trauma, but what they do is they provide their general surgery call coverage, and they don't do 24-7, 365. They provide one element of the call panel, which is rounded out by other contracted community hospital, um, community physicians in that area. And so that is all of the things in general that they provide. What we are asking for today is approval of a three-month extension to this three-year term agreement to allow us time to complete the analysis and negotiations for the renewal, which we are working on. How are we doing? Who's, who's negotiating the, um, how are the negotiations going? The negotiations are in a beginning stage, but they are going well. They are... Um, uh, why would they be in a beginning stage if you're asking for a three-month I would say that it's because of this. Um, we actually engaged with them several months ago, and that was the initial meeting to discuss what they were interested in. We knew that we were interested in continuing. They basically quickly confirmed, yes, they did. They had a long-term relationship, and they were interested in continuing. So right there, we confirmed and checked that box. In addition, we went over quickly, and Dr. Jamala didn't get a point on this, with her physician contracting manager, Carla Avila, and they've had subsequently a in-detailed meeting where they went over line item by line item the services provided, and they've already started building up a proposal for what they would like to see in the renewal, including some changes, and we're in the process now where we will very soon be putting out for a fair market value request. That, once it comes back, will give us our benchmark. Then we will go into what we anticipate should be a relatively straightforward negotiation session over compensation. We therefore believe that a three-month extension should be sufficient for our purposes. Okay. So you'll have a final to us before September 30th? It, I anticipate uh, that we would be taking it to you in September. Okay. Um, I have one about the trophies. Uh, yeah. Filling this contract with UCSF then gets to keep whatever trophies it holds. No, we we uh, we get to keep those if and when they're built. So that's, that's an offset. We do assign. Yeah, and that's an area of opportunity that we've identified, and we uh, we're coming back to you with a revenue cycle improvement plan. But we believe there's opportunity to improve the charge cash flow on that. And they go through the credentialing. For, uh, how, how they go on out to the credentialing or anything? Yes. Mm -hmm. This is uh, one of the other, not confounding factors, but concurrent with that one of the other agreements. Uh, and you probably recall that with this district, uh, Dr. Jamal and I shared the, uh, the uh, board that our chair of surgery, our long-term chair of uh, surgery, Dr. Buckman, uh, was the one that was retired. Mm -hmm. And we're in the process of working with UCSF to identify a chair of surgery to uh, spearhead the negotiations. And, and I, we don't anticipate, uh, again, because you never know, 
Oh, sorry. I usually don't have that problem. Sorry. At some point, could we take a look and see what the revenue offsets cycle looks sure. like? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, especially if we're looking at revenue enhancement and other support programs or increasing control fees. Yeah, we will. And okay. I, I can add that um, part of the reason for this delay, in addition to uh, the chair search, is that we've recently completed a review of our trauma program. Uh, we've identified that the existing uh, trauma positions are really sort of overworked. Um, and one of the things they do is, for example, they'll cover surgical clinic, but they're on call for trauma. So you know, have patients stacked up waiting to be seen in clinic, if they get called, then we've got a huge access issue. And so we're trying to address that issue in the new contract. We'll probably have some additional resources brought in. And there's no opportunity for Alameda Hospital here for vascular and other kind of things as you see moving forward with? Um, we're starting to look at uh, system-wide agreement for certain specialties. I don't know that we uh, are looking at surgery at this point because we're currently covered with other Ask um, Sheila Livewell to join me. Sheila's our uh, vice president of care coordination, and there was a uh, question <coughs> at the last meeting about weekend coverage for discharge planning. Uh, we'll get to that as part of this presentation. She's got our version of the spreadsheet. Okay, but uh, let me get well, into the uh, and Sheila's somebody that I've also worked with in the past, and <laughs> lucky to uh, recruit her. Um, okay, so at a high level, um, they're profitable. Uh, we're reporting a profit of 3.7 million in the month of March, 31.6 year to date. Uh, EBITDA margin 5.6, slightly below the budget. Uh, one of the things that's occurring in um, the month the, the, is the, five po the EBITDA margin now is 5.9. You said 6.5. I know, but we're, uh, well, well, I'll get to that in a second. So it's cover patient activity. Oh, sorry. Um, so discharges were 4% below budget uh, for the month, 7.5 year to date. ADC is 1.4% below, so the length of stay has increased. Mm -hmm. uh, this is actually the point um, last time when we were discussing, and we said, well, why is that? It was, well, you know, we have trouble getting patients out the door because we don't really cover weekends. So at this point, I'm, I'm going to ask Sheila, who's responsible for care coordination system-wide, to talk about that issue and what she's done about it. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, actually, let me first say that the length of stay is, is a very complicated um, challenge and issue for, for the hospital. So it isn't um, only the weekend challenges, but we have We have other challenges with uh, placement of patients and um, throughput in getting the patients discharged to our post-acute care facilities because those discharges are extremely delayed um, related to placement in the community. But um, for Highland, what we have done most recently is to change the coverage in the case management department 
so that we have more consistent weekend hours. Um, I understand historically we had not had coverage on, on the weekends, and so now what we're trying to do is to place at least eight hours, uh, a full shift, uh, both Saturday and Sunday, um, including holidays, and we are also in negotiation with the union. So what we would like to see is instead of using overtime for weekend coverage, we would like um, to propose a rotation so that we're not relying on overtime and it can be more reliable. So that has been in place for the last three weeks. Um, we completed our meet and confer with the union and I'm, I'm very happy to see that they have initially accepted the proposal. However, we continue to meet and confer and um, the details of that have not been finalized. Um, the, greater, the overall strategy is actually to reorg and redesign care management at Highland. So um, that has been a major challenge for us. However, we've completed multiple hours of negotiation with the union and they have actually accepted um, our proposal to the, to the redesign of the department. So that includes revisions of job descriptions, new roles in the department, redeploying our resources and providing um, better resources and tools for the case managers. And I'd, I'd like to uh, emphasize the magnitude of this accomplishment because when this issue was first raised, <coughs> the immediate response was fine, just add staff. Mm -hmm. And um, Sheila's leadership basically said, no, 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 we have enough staff, we're just not allocating them appropriately and we need to focus on the patient and provide seven days back. And she's able to get that done. So just a real win for the organization. What would be a target date for having it all implemented and doing seven day a week discharges? Um, actually, we've implemented uh, the seven day a week coverage. What we'd wanna see now is to move away from the overtime. And so I have a final meeting on Monday uh, to finalize uh, more of the details. And so I did share with um, the union steward that um, I'd like to see this accomplished this month, that we need to move the schedule going forward for the month of June. And what unions are involved? SEIU. Um, SEIU. Actually, but, uh, yeah, that's right. That's for both social work and, and case management. So same, it's the same union. And the job descriptions are also being like revised? And Completely re revised, yes. Completely revised. Actually, most of our positions in the department have been revised and have been accepted. What are the greatest challenges from the start to finish? Is it access? Is it uh, lack of resource in the community? I would say all of the above. I would say all of the above. And in addition, just aligning with the medical staff. So that, that's also another challenge for us, um, standardizing how the physicians practice, how the documentation standards um, poses a challenge for us. And then just having basic tools for the team to do their work. There's so tremendous inefficiencies. Do you have enough access in the community to discharge them in terms of skilled nursing or other transitional care opportunities? I would say that we do have uh, enough skilled nursing facilities. It's the population that's challenging. The medical complexity, the behavioral health um, issues that are involved makes it very difficult, as well as the payer. So the payer source is also a problem for us. But what we're trying to do now is to create um, what we call a SNP network forum, where we bring all the SNPs in the community, which I implemented in January, so we're meeting quarterly, to sort of come up with how we can more collaboratively work together and come up with out-of-the-box thinking on how we can place patients in the, in the SNP.
she was also uh, working with, um, she was working closely with, uh, with Ms. Espinoza, um, had a, a poster group back there for one of the goals on our dashboard, which is creating a home health um, uh, channel um, for, for our patients as well, as those who uh, don't need, uh, need the criteria or need to either go to skilled nursing or need to be discharged or have graduated from skilled nursing and things like that. And so that's one of the other ways we're expanding uh, our, our sort of post-acute uh, access mm -hmm. channels. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then let me add also for Fairmont is changing the culture that patients discharge to Fairmont to live. So we are um, changing that thought process and really trying to focus on placing patients that can live in the community and put them back into the community. So that's also a change in thinking about um, that network. So we're, we're tracking our discharges every month, uh, really bringing the teams together, working with the hospitalists that cover Fairmont to look at creative ways to discharge patients in the community. So would that be an example of the inefficiencies that you were saying? What, what are some that are surfacing, you think, that there are? The, the inefficiencies in the system that, you're, that are surfacing right now, like that you're changing. So um, the discharge to Fairmont, where it, it could be done in the community, those are some of the, th uh, and what yeah. are some other um, inefficiencies could you? So some other inefficiencies are the tools that we use, the electronic tools, the medical record is a challenge, but I know we have a solution coming forward. But the, but the nurses, they work in a number of applications to do the day-to-day -day work, mm -hmm. which slows down their ability to then get to the patient and create a discharge plan and move the patient along. So um, we do have the MIDAS tool that we're, we have implemented. Um, San Leandro Alameda has gone live with MIDAS, and uh, Highland is scheduled to go live uh, next week. So we believe, again, replacing MIDAS um, with the 3M tool will create tremendous, I think, improvements in their day-to-day -day work and help with managing denials. Uh, maybe report back to uh, Mr. Cox when you're done negotiating with the union on it not being an overtime issue and then you can close out that issue that uh, as we go get that resolved and we know that that's out and very much appreciated. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Just, just a little bit more moment to brag on Sheila. That's <laughs> right. I, 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 you know, David does have a good track record here um, uh, with Ira and Sheila. Uh, you've, you've been here, has it been a year yet? Uh, May 9th. May 9th, so, yes. so it'll be a year soon. And, uh, and she really has come into a, a situation that, that needed a great deal of leadership and, and stability, and she's provided that. So it, 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 re it really cannot be understated, the, the progress that she's made in collaboration with labor in a situation that was fraught for being you know, a pretty uh, publicly uh, challenging situation. And you know, I don't want to jinx it at all, uh, uh, but I really do want to congratulate her and thank mm -hmm. her for, for being able to get as far as she has uh, in the amount of time that she has with, with, with bringing the team and our partners along. So thank you for okay. that. Thank you. Okay, back to the presentation. Uh, we did have a record census in post-acute care. Uh, ambulatory visits are below budget, but actually they, they have been coming up. So this is better than they've been year to date. And you're seeing indications that uh, visit totals are improving. Uh, on revenue, so we are for the month 7.9% uh, favorable, 4.6% year to date. So what's occurring here is that we've completed the 
health tax addendum, which is a $23 million contract that we need to book between here and the end of the year. And actually, since some of it's contingent, I'm only going to book half of it. But that works out to $3 million a month. Okay, so that is one reason why um, we can expect our revenue to be higher than budget through the rest of the year and why I think that we have a shot at catching up to our EBIT margin target of um, Actually, the budget is currently 6.7%, so we're about 0.8%, 1%, about $10 million uh, short of the budget. I think we can make that up. Um, I can also very pleased to report that just today we completed the um, reconciliation of the payments from behavioral health care services for fiscal 2014 to John George, top right back there. Uh, and the, uh, it was favorable. We got a check for $4.3 million. It's not reserved anywhere, so we're going to book an extra $4 million of revenue as well. So I think we, we should have um, good, strong revenue through the rest of the fiscal year. Okay. So um, you mean we're still going to try to control expenses as well? Of course. Yeah, of course we're going to do that. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Spending it all. How are we going to pay for the Christmas party if we don't have exactly, surplus? Exactly, right. That big zoo party we had. Yeah, and we're going to have a report from Mr. Uh, Redman uh, uh, after I finish on the registry issues. I'm not going to cover that at all. Uh, we were over budget uh, in the month by 9%, so 5% year to date, and uh, we'll talk more about that later. Um, this is um, just a quick summary of the numbers I went through. So here's the 5.9% EBITDA margin and the target. We're a little bit behind, but I think, as I mentioned, we can make that up. And these are the volume indicators that I uh, just went through. And for that again, um, here's the detail on um, revenue, as you can see, we are about 4.6% ahead of budget, 7.9 for the month. We're 7% higher than prior year. The collection ratio looks good. Uh, and so this should, this level of performance should continue. Uh, we should continue to run well above budget through the rest of the year. So that gives us a very good shot at uh, achieving our budget objectives. The revenue, uh, here's expenses. Uh, I mentioned we're uh, over for the month and year to date. Uh, the variances are up in uh, salaries and wages in the registry. Um, there were also some um, orthopedic implant purchases that created a variance here in supplies for the month. But the, the big issues have been uh, up in, uh, in labor. Uh, we, we are interesting, though, uh, only about 0.7% over in paid FTEs. If you looked at work, which is reflected in this number, uh, I'm sorry, that's actually paid. But if you looked at work, we're actually quite a bit um, we're worse on a work basis than we are on a paid basis, and we were going down the same. Uh, okay, and then um, here's the expense trend. Let's see what we're doing on expenses and paid FTEs. Uh, probably should put work FTEs on there at some point. And then moving to the uh, balance sheet, uh, we are um, now at 60 days in AR, uh, which is pretty good. I met with the auditors today. They were pretty pleased with our performance. Days in AP are a little bit higher than what we would like to see, but uh, I've reviewed the reason for that, the aging. This is what it looks like for AP. Uh, we have one uh, IT vendor that accounts for most of this out here. Dave and I are both aware of the reason for that. Uh, and uh, we believe the, the vendors are um, current. Uh, I receive, receive very few complaints. Uh, when I do, uh, it's usually because an invoice got lost somewhere in the system. And we address those right away. Okay. Is it 
appropriate to ask for a list of um, vendors over 90 days? Um, we could do that. We were I, I don't know if it's appropriate or not. We certainly have the information. I get a, I get a complete run every week on who's where. So that's something that is of interest we can talk about. I, th I think, David, that question, because of, um, if you recall some time ago, last year, the year before, something, mm -hmm. the, the vendors, the, particularly our local vendors, um, it went to supervisors to get to get mm -hmm. those dollars, mm -hmm. and it it got to be a really very embarrassing kind of yeah. conversation. Yeah, I was on the receiving end of those conversations. Yes, I'm yeah. sure you were. Um, so perhaps are looking at that again, making certain that we don't have. That's what I'm thinking. You know, I don't want you know. Mom I, I look at it every week. Do you? And we're yeah. we're yeah. doing. Yeah, okay. we're doing fine. We're doing fine. So you won't be embarrassed again. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like getting those calls. It's not, I know. It's not, it's not I remember those. They were really. Uh, particularly the ones that are saying, well, you know, I know you need these supplies for surgery or something, but we're not going to give them to you until you pay for yeah. them. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, here's where we are on receivables. Uh, again, this is like the, um, the aging. And this is a really good, this is really, really good because you get out here and it's very, very low. I know you can't read this, but this is. And this month, I thought I'd share a couple other things with you. So we actually have a internal reporting package. This is not in your material. But I just wanted to sh share a few of the, the things that, that we look at, again, on a monthly basis. So for example, this is the um, uh, days and AR trend. Okay. And this DNSD says discharge, not final bill. So this is a patient that's out of the hospital, but we haven't sent a bill out yet. And so we track the number of days. So this is inpatient and this is outpatient. So you can see we get the outpatient bills out quickly, mm -hmm. about four days. This is down to about 10. And you can see it's been high. And if we actually went back over here, it was up over 20. And some of you might recall the uh, discussion we had at the board about the um, unsigned cards mm -hmm. and the physician suspension policy. I think at the time we were like eight or ten. I think we were what four? Two percent. Two percent. We are way, way down. So it just goes to show you focus on it, you put the procedures in place, we can get this done. And that is primarily why this number has come down. Okay? So it accelerates cash, but it also we have a better bill, it's going out quicker, and more likely to get paid. It's a really good This one is the receivables that are uh, over um, a certain number of days. Okay. Uh, and this one is um, uh, blue, 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 yeah. But both of them basically show that we've been we've been proven so that the receivables are more current. Okay. We've got the old stuff off the books. The stuff we have left is current, which means we're going to get paid better. The other thing is when we value these things, we, we say, well, you know, the ones in the 30-day the bucket, we think we're going to get 96%. The ones in the 30 to 60, it's like 80%. It goes down from there. Anything over about 360 is zero. Okay? Mm -hmm. So the more current this is, the better the aging is, the better the AR valuation, the better my cash flow. So that's is, a good is this related? I'm not certain I understand this. 
Is this related to collection? Is that? It's, it's related to collecting and closing accounts out and getting them, off, getting them collected and getting them off the books because receivables are not like fine wine. They don't get better with age. The sooner you can get them taken care of. If you're looking at this and... So the, the, hesitant, the, the, the payment is not as a result of the people we contract with, but our own ability to... It's largely controlled by our own internal processes. Okay. And I just have one more. I'm sorry about that. But it, but it could be not largely, you're saying, because it could be something like the, the dishonor yes. and yes. the denial or disputes or... or yeah, we, do, we right. do need to have good contracts. That's one of the reasons, you know, we talked about this out in the meeting. One of the reasons we, con we uh, terminated those is they were full of the contracts. They gave uh, the, the payers the right to just dispute and not pay anything, and we had no recourse. It just was horrible. So they were getting aggressive. Oh, while I'm, while I'm on that, uh, we can report that uh, we left three contracts open. We have come to substantive agreement with two of them. We expect to have them signed within weeks and in effect within about four to six weeks of that. So uh, we have about time to implement a new agreement that we've been trying to And who are they? Uh, Blue Shield and Aetna. Wow. They're still hanging out there with Anthem. They're communicating. They're still saying they're understaffed and they're prepared. <laughs> Give me a break. Okay. Can you do a full, not a full presentation, but just I remember at some point in the last three months there was a Excel spreadsheet with the six vendors and where we were. Can you just update that? The six what? Uh, Alameda Insurance. Oh, sorry. oh contracts. Yeah, uh, contracts. Yeah. Oh, sure. We had done it down to four, and with this, we'll be down to one. Yeah. If we can have that in the Excel again, so I can have it in writing, that would okay. be great for us. I'd be to happy see. to do that. Uh, and this one is denial terms. Unfortunately, I guess uh, Sheila's still here, so Sheila gets credit for this one. So this one is. Um, um, history with denial. So we get denials because uh, patients are here and they're either not documented. They don't need to be here or they're just not documented or something. So the, the payers will say, okay, we're going to deny this. Uh, if we get this authorization, is that an authorization issue or is that yeah, this is denials for Right. And this is this one is actually, this this one, this one actually is, yeah, for example. Denials is a really Failure related. to get an authorization. Not getting authorization. So we've got. And that's really our responsibility yes. to be checking on the eligibility and making sure that we're not right. yeah. Why did it go up in March? Um, no, all the way on the right. Yeah, I know that. I saw that and you know it's too early for me to tell you why that oh. is. Uh, I can tell you that the process has moved on and that'll get that'll get fixed. But big big with big improvement. Big yeah, improvement. yeah I mean yes. the trend was great for a while. Big improvement. So I thought it was a little challenging. Yeah. And then we have a team we talked about having a denials <laughs> team. So when we do get denied we are now going after it and saying, no, 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 we're going to appeal the denial. We know we used to do that. And we're actually attracting the denials that are overturned. So those are very good metrics. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Anyway, that's just the change. Okay. Now, um, this we got to talk about. So this is different than oh. what's in your package. Different than your package. So we um, obviously update our cash forecast. And we were doing it uh, actually today, and we found um, an error. Uh, we had um, changes had been updated, but they were using a, an older file, and they had missed something that needed to come out. And we are now, as a result, forecasting that we're going to have a problem at the end of the quarter. 
Now, last time we uh, gave you a heads up on this, we said the, the game plan for that, if that were to occur, would be to go back to the alliance and say, can you give us an advance on this money we're going to give them on this hookup project, which we can now do. Uh, and we're also going to talk to the county. And I've notified uh, the county controller of this situation. We're going to be talking about the county. So we apologize for the um, earlier mistake, but we will now we will deal with it. Do we have a six-month forecast instead of a three-month forecast? Yeah, we are. This yeah. is not an Ocala grant. Yeah, the reason it's not I there right now is, is we're trying to, we're actually going through all of fiscal 18 as part of the budget process and updating it. So we will have that within a week or so. Did, did you say the amount of money you're at for the senior? It, it looks like it's going to be about $30 million. So we will need an advance of in the neighborhood of $40 million, which is well within the amount of money we expect to get from the uh, alliance in the relationship between the cash and the EBITDA margin? Um, okay. <clears throat> so if we, if we have positive performance, then we're going to generate, which is the EBITDA margin, we're going to generate cash. Now that cash is going to go to the county and we'll re make that red line lower. So that's not actually cash, that's debt. The red line's debt. But if we have better performance than worse, if, if we have a higher even margin, then we will generate more cash, and all things being equal, that line will come down a little bit. And we'll have more, more capacity to borrow. So earlier when you showed the EBITDA margin was five, mm -hmm. six, or nine. Five, nine. Five, nine. nine. Help me, what the EBITDA margin at 5.9, how does it translate to that? Um, <clears throat> if we had, so we're at 5.9. Uh, if, if we end the year at, instead of 5.9 being at, say, 6.907, we will have 10 million more in cash, and that red line will be $10 million lower. Okay, so the EBITDA margin, the 5.9 the 5 mm -hmm. represents how much money? It's a hard dollar. Okay. If um, that's thirty million debt with cash, what is the EBITDA margin here? Um, given the amount of revenue we have, which is about a billion dollars, uh, five point nine percent represents about fifty nine million dollars in free cash. About what? Sixty million dollars. Sixty million dollars. But I just can't. Why didn't I know the red line? I need a controller. We had money coming in, I thought, in September that was going to make basically bring our line down to zero, correct? It's going to be pretty close. I we think it's going to be about 20 million, not, not zero. 20 coming in or tw down to 20? Down, down to okay. 20. Down to about 20. That's August that and September. Hard, it? That's that would be the sourcing. That right. would be sort of the sourcing justification for yeah. the line down to zero. Yeah. Right? We were just asking for it slightly earlier to, to be in compliance with this agreement. Yeah. Uh, let's switch to the um, let's switch to the budget. So uh, status report: um, we have completed our uh, baseline reviews of all the budgets. Uh, currently, we're short. Are you going to go over the accountability report? 
you know, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't, uh, I didn't put that up on the screen, but we can. Okay. This would be the time to respond to questions about it. Uh, so I, I can say that um, subsequent the to the last report, meeting, um, uh, Mr. Thompson and I have met. We've discussed what should be in the package. Uh, we've de developed a standard format and presentation that's reflected in your package. And one of the things that um, uh, Anthony wanted to put in was this report that we use internally called the Accountability Report. One of these pages back here. I found that was very fascinating because mm -hmm. we haven't seen something like this before. It's really interesting to see how how the various um, sections of the organization work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought if there was interest, um, maybe a couple months from now, we might be able to invite the people who are variances or the greatest to give special presentations to the finance committee. That would be good. <laughs> I, I like. I like frequent beating. <laughs> anyway, I asked the question, you know, who's accountable for things? And this report was on those things, so it would be very helpful to see. Not here. No. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're okay. Pleasure. Uh, budget. So where we are is we've completed the baseline review, uh, currently short of our objective that we talked about earlier this year. Uh, we currently have revenue increases in the 2.8 and expense increasing up to 13.7. Uh, based on that, team got together, we said, well, what, what should we try to achieve? And we established targets for uh, revenue growth of 5.9. That's based largely on uh, revenue cycle improvement. <coughs> and then an expense target of 6.5%. We've distributed those um, suggestions and recommendations targets. We have teams um, working on them, and these are across the organization, including support services and SBUs. Um, the perception I have is that we're making good progress. Uh, I don't know if we'll hit the, the ultimate targets, but I think we are making good targets, uh, progress in making uh, progress. Um, and so- Who breaks the tie if we can't, if they can't, if you can't come to the targets, who says, well, we are gonna get the targets and this is what we're going to- Well, the, the senior team will get together and we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of next week and decide what we're prepared to recommend to the, to the board, okay? Um, <laughs> no? No? Okay. <laughs> Uh, so this is just to kind of show you where we are. So this is what um, right here is what's in the budget right now. And this is when I say it's a 2.8% uh, revenue and 137 And then what would happen if we're able to achieve these targets is we would end up at about 7.5. But that may be aggressive. We'll see what, we, what comes out of the system. This implies um, reductions of about 66 million, 66, 67 million from the expenses. Uh, I have looked closely at the revenue. I think we do have the ability to achieve 5.9% uh, on revenue. So that's probably about what will be included in the next um, version of the budget that you see. Okay? David, I yeah. I'm sorry, but I didn't understand. Go, go up to the top of the blue line. I wasn't understanding the relationship as you go through. So you have the target. And what is the relationship between the target and the proposed? Uh, one is where you want to be, and the other is what yeah. they're. What this, is, this is what is currently in the system from everybody who submitted their budget. Okay. And if we just said we're going to accept everything that's in the budget, we would be at a minus 1.9 percent EBITDA. Ba based on the pr where the target was. No, based on the proposed. Based, based on, on the proposed. proposed. So this was. Here's what's, what the here, what's the here, target? Here's, here's the process. Okay. So um, when 
we started the budget process. We said, okay, how are we going to do this? We said, okay, let's, let's validate everybody's um, productivity templates, staffing standards. Let's do a volume forecast. Um, let's identify any new positions that weren't budgeted but are here and put them in. And based on that, let's give everybody a budget and say, this is what we think you should do. That was the target. That was what was distributed to them. So Under this the is this is the top-down approach. We say okay. Okay. We, you know, this is what we want to do, and we think we should have. And this is what I want to give you. Yeah. So okay. we think, for example, expenses should go up 6.4 percent. We think that there should be 4,256 paid FTEs compared to 4,121. Okay. Okay. And here are the other ratios. Okay. Can I ask you about 2017? You have an EBITDA margin at 8%, and we're at 5.9% year to date, or two months yeah, ago. So this is um, done about a month ago, but we are anticipating the, um, the health tax agreement, which is worth about 2%. So we're pretty close to, we're 59 But that's taken in monthly, not lump sum, right? Right, but we're going to do it over this period, and, and we've been doing right. really, really well on revenue. So anyway, the, the projection we had based on what the best information we had at the time was we think we could end the year at 8%. And I think that's still a possibility. Maybe it's 7.5%, which should be pretty good, depending on what happens on expenses. Okay. There goes that. Well, I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Maybe he's going to be About a year from now, you may get it. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, maybe it'll okay. be less. It's but, a, it's but a that was, that yeah, was the it's forecast. projected. I know about a brand number, so it's just I hadn't seen it, so it's great. Okay, well, it's good. But it's not through operations. It's through some special things that are coming. Well, supplemental well, revenue. Well, it's, it's operations, yeah. yeah. But it's Because there's it's supplementals that are paper for performance, too. It's so everything. that's why it's everything. Okay. we still some milestones we have to hit. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so we said, okay, this is what we think we'd, li we'd like to do. Then the managers were given an opportunity to say, well, this is what we would like. And that is this one. So this one says, well... Uh, we couldn't uh, – actually, the revenue is there, $999. Uh, but the expense requests are $1,034. Mm -hmm. So we were looking for $948. We, we came back at $1,034,000. Mm -hmm. okay? And for um, 4,636 FDs, we were hoping for this. We got that. Mm -hmm. okay? And then here are the ratios and everything. Mm -hmm. okay? Now we're saying, well – um, that doesn't Why are we hiring more people with flat patient revenue? I don't get it. Uh, there's a long list of reasons. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so some examples are um, it's things that have had to occur to reconcile um, uh, contractual obligations in the labor contract. So I think it's FDA coverage agreements that we've done a lot of. Uh, there's some. Uh, I don't know the magnitude of this. It could be potentially small, but there's some discrepancy between what we currently have in our budget and what we're running at, and that's some of the uh, likelihood of variance in the budget for you, so we're right-sizing that uh, piece of it. There is obviously um, uh, expenses and projections tied to initiatives where we're continuing to, uh, while we're providing the same level of service or projecting the same level of service, need to improve quality and improve the efficiency of the system that we have. So, so there's a couple of reasons, and those are just a few, I think, for why you would have a flat budget statistics in terms of operating, but still okay. need to increase some of those. Okay. In the EA 
EHR. And the EHR, sorry, yes. Yeah, it's a really how many FTEs are, are part of the EHR? At least actually, in the next budget, it won't. I don't know if it, we've took, taken it out. Well, yet, actually, when the, the, the budget was submitted, a lot of the EHR correct. stuff was in it's there. It's in there now, but we'll pull but it out. we're going to say, wait a minute, that's going to be capitalized. Yeah, that's just going to say, can't you capitalize yes. that? Yeah, we yeah. will. So we're going to end up with. But right now, a part of it is in there. I think we're going to end up with like maybe 10 or so FTEs that have to be oper operationalized. And it's things like um, some, some people, the Dave jump start process. And we've got a big issue called clinical standardization that needs to be done before we take the EHR out. And there's got to be a few people working on that once that's done. And then you'll have some that are going to continue on that you're yes. not going to be able to capitalize for right. that one of the reasons why you'd see FTEs going up is an effort to uh, shift from um, contract to uh, grant, right? So uh, that isn't necessarily right. driving the, the uh, expense <coughs> is up, but it would shift the FTE statistics. Yeah, so, so anyway. What do you do with that? So we've said, okay, well, a billion 34 seems high. Let's target 968 million rather than the original 948, so about 20 million more. And that would be about a 6.5% increase. Okay? Um, so that's what we're trying to do right now. Then the question is, okay, well, how should we divvy, divvy up those targets among different divisions? And so we had an exercise with the Budget Oversight Committee got together, and this is what we decided. So we have uh, here's the, you know, the reductions of about 66. So this is what the new targets would be by division. And then I think a more productive way to look at it is by okay, well, what is your what is your growth rate? Mm. So here's here's what we're doing. We're up 4.9 percent this year. Here's who's growing. This is the request. There's some pretty big increases in different areas, and they said no. Well, you know, we'd like it to be about six and a half, and everybody's going to get something, but you know, try to keep it in single digits, basically, unless there's a good reason. That's kind of where we are. Okay. And we'll see. We'll see how that goes. A lot of work being done on that. So, is the, is the previous slide ready? The request and the target is what you have determined. You comply with. Well, this was the original target that we gave you. Right, and you've made they some compromises. They have come back and said, and "This is what we want. This is like." Bid okay. and counterbid, and now we're saying, well, we, we can we'd only really like that. to see this. Right. We want to see 968. Okay. Okay. And <coughs> so by the time we get the budget, like the population health person will be there because I'm just thinking the reductions and things they have had input into how mm -hmm. that might be. Uh, partially. So, so uh, as I mentioned, uh, the lead was involved in our um, in our executive retreat. Dr. Swift has been acting an active role in the various leaders within uh, the constituent departments and, and population health has been involved uh, with the budget request process and are also involved in sort of the target and um, uh, adjustment process. So it's, it is the case that she will not have been fully involved in it just because of a matter of timing, but I actually met with Dr. Swift this morning and we talked about a potential way to address that as we with the next phase of this, which is not just actually 
just so we're clear, the targets are, are a, uh, are a set of objectives we're trying to achieve. This does not mean that the target will be those numbers in the budget so that if you're doing sort of a reconciliation of the two, uh, we're going to be looking at both the expenses and the revenue and making sure that, um, uh, we feel like we've created the right balance. This target is based off of an achievement of EBITDA at the level that we see. We may have to adjust that to realize that it's going to be outside of the numbers there, but we're also, Anticipating any of the infrastructure development around managed care as we shift from a model of people service to habitation. That means that we effectively have to bring in a lot of the, um, the activity that right now happens in the managed care world into the organization. So we'd be doing authorization, we'd be doing denial management, we'd be doing management of what's called the division of res financial responsibility, making sure that as we order durable medical equipment that we're doing that consistent with the contract and all those other things. And so so as a part of your capitated rate, that piece of it comes in and we have to build the infrastructure to do that within the organization. So, so we'll be phasing it to coincide with a shift towards that. So there'll, there'll, there will be some consideration for that in the budget. So, uh, yes. could you, could you, I, I assume that part of this is, is what you're going to be bringing to the board for the first reading of a proposed budget. So could you, What's in administration? Um, because that's been a gr uh, that's been a big. So what's in that bucket? Uh, that's the senior management team and uh, our support staff. And so other non-payroll expenses. Well, what do you cr constitute? I mean, so uh, I'm looking at increases, and mm -hmm. I understand expenses and uh, salary raises and. So I'm trying to understand those big jumps in a two-year period of time. Sure. I'm looking at legal risks and wondering why, you know, what is it that is has happened that has created almost a double in the legal risk. Um, and so I think those are questions that are worthy of conversation. Sure. We can give you some, some um, sort of categorical um, uh, rationale for when we compare the so you, when we, when you do get the budget now, you won't see. You're seeing the working, right? So the projected, the target, the request, and all that. You will see next what the uh, sort of actual or projected by the end of the year, which will be closer to. So that number will be closer to what we expect, and then you'll see what the budget is. So probably these columns will go away, and then your questions will be to your point. What is the variance between what is the projected actual for the end of the year, and then the budget for the next year, and what are the differences that drive whatever that amount is from one year to the next, what are those categorical things that are, are uh, major sources of the drive? So. I, I understand what you just said. That wasn't my question. Are you, you're looking for what, what's contained within that? Uh, I, it's not so much, yes, I'm interested in the, the, the growth, if you will, or the increase in the expense. So you have a, a target and uh, we'll go of the, the target, which is what you, you put down, uh, to, it, let's just do risk. So it's a 2-4 in risk that's jumped a million dollars. So is there something that's happened here that, that so you need to put more into risk and uh, legal? And maybe, I mean. I, I think we're saying, that, well, let me try again. because I, 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 I think we are, but let me try okay. again. All I'm saying is uh, when, when, when we compare, so, so you, what you'll see is 
what is the actual budget by category, by, by line item, I should say, uh, for this year, and then a cleaner version, which will take away some of the work product we see now to say, now what is the budget for this year, or the budget we're presenting to you for next year, and there, there will be variances, so it could be a million in legal and risk, it could be another million in administration, and if you're saying, what then is causing that jump, then I can say to you categorically, we presented that as uh, uh, salary increases consistent with market. Another, you know, so that may represent, you know, four hundred thousand of it. Another part of it is a big expense item next year. So, so I think uh, what you're saying is when you see what has happened from one year to what is happening or what is projected to happen in another year, and you see a big difference there, you want to know what's causing that. And so, as we present the budget to you, we can actually explain to you in in high level. Major, you want to know, you don't want to know like something that made like $250,000. You want to know something that's like material. So, you know, it could be in in one thing, it could be we hired five people. You right. know, right. And, uh, um, <coughs> I'm just trying to understand how how this thing how it how it uh, organically grows, how it and organically what grows, yes. and right. I think we can we can get to that point, yeah. and we will Thank get to that. Uh, all I was saying to you earlier is that. Columns of how it's going to shape out ultimately will reconcile, and all you'll see is the budget for next right. year, not, not all the various categories and whatnot. That's that's our work product as we're going through the process of getting to what will be the projected budget. And there will still be a variance between the budget for next year and what's happening this year, and we can explain that. And so we won't see in. Um, uh, I think I think the thing that puts it in. it in uh, on the application of what we're doing is when you look at the actual expenditures in 2016. Correct. And so being able to compare those growth pieces mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think is, is is very helpful for an organization. Of course. And uh, I suppose you know in in public ed I don't know if you know this but in public ed we have to send to the state a three-year projection and show every year this be before our budget would ever be approved. So mm. it's it's a three-year budget projection, mm. um, and we've got to show that we can balance the budget over a three-year period of time. Right. So my my own brain goes back to looking at previous years sure. to see how this thing has trended. Out. Right. right? How how it's trended. Sure. So, so so we could if you I I, I apologize so you you know. Probably will. I mean, I don't know how we presented, but you probably will see actual 16 projected 17 because of you know we'll have another month of costs left uh, in the budget. Actually, from a reporting perspective, probably like a month or something left to spend on that. So, um, and then what the proposed budget is for yeah, next okay. year. So, so we could say, um, in some respects, uh, it'd be a little bit of work to go back to 16 and kind of pull it forward. But but it's happened, and yeah. most of us uh, were here then, so we can tell you what have been the major sources of. We, you know, we hired 20 more nurses here, or we hired uh, right, right, more people right, here, or right, whatever. And right. Yes. Okay. So we'll do that. Okay. Okay. I, is that asking too much? Am I? I don't is think that? So. No. 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 Okay. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, Any other questions? We need to keep moving. If uh, we okay. don't, uh, yeah, I think we are. Mr. Redmond. Oh yeah. Dave. I mean, Dave's going to put up your. Uh,
Dave is not switching. Okay. Well, he, he switched it out. Yeah. Okay. That Dave was switching. So uh, at the last finance committee meeting, you asked for more detail about nursing, particularly nursing utilization, which was the bigger cost. There was discussion about overall utilization of registry, travelers, and agency staff. So I'll talk through the first three slides. The rest of it's sort of back up with significant detail that I, I put in the presentation so you could look at it at your leisure. Um, what I wanted to do is give you a high-level view of where we're using registry staff and in fact that most of it, in fact, if not all of it, is covering existing vacancies. And so while we're running a significant variance to budget, um, we have 117, this was of last Tuesday, 117 agency staff on site across the multiple hospitals. Uh, but we have 79 openings and 52 employees within those nursing units on leaves of absence. So we're using about 14 less registry staff than we have both approved openings and people on leaves of absence. And so while, again, we're running a significant variance to budget, most of that registry has been used against vacancies that exist within the health system. Um, it's unclear to me, um, without having a, a longer dialogue with Kinsey and the operational leaders within nursing, how we, we projected the registry usage that we did. And that's really to this, this next slide, which are with 70, 79 openings and an average time to start of 61 days, uh, we have about a 12% turnover rate in and so that, that is fairly standard in the Bay Area for healthcare. So it's higher than I would like, but it is not out of proportion. And I see, I thank Gary for nodding here in agreement. It's, a, it's about healthcare industry average. So again, we budgeted a relatively low number for registry, despite the fact that we're always going to have a 12% turnover rate for nursing. We do expect that number to come down as we fill vacancies. But at the same time, we're always going to have some significant need either to use per diems or registry. The ideal is we decline the amount of per diem, sorry, decline the amount of registry for travelers, increase the staff. Uh, we have some proposals on the table with the union right now that hopefully will increase our ability to use a certain particular traffic classification that we don't have that other healthcare organizations do. And I don't, I, we can talk in closed session about what that specifically is because we're still negotiating it. But we have some gaps in our staffing now that f through filling these positions, we do expect to fill and drive down the use of registry. We've seen, sorry, go on, Michelle. Excuse me, Jim, when, it, when, you, when you quote the nurse opening, it, is it very specific relative to the, the days and hours worked or, or is it just a general nurse? And then they come in and we, how does, how does an opening look? It, it varies. So if I took John George the psychiatric facility, we would open a, a day shift nursing position, or we might open there we have an agreement with the union where we have weekend, what are termed weekend only positions. And so they typically work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, get paid a differential for that, and that means you don't have to rotate nursing as much. Most of the nursing positions work on a rotational basis, so every third or fourth weekend they work. And that, in some instances, is useful. In other instances, causes some staffing problems, and we get an increase in call-off. 
So when someone has to work that fourth weekend, the call-off rate goes up from those people because they don't particularly want to work at the weekend, but reply to because they have a rotation of rotating staff and all that. Um, if you can get closer to a fixed schedule where people work three weekdays on the same weekdays, you tend to see a drop in the call-off rate. But again, a lot of the in industry- In the call-off? Call-off, so they call people call in sick. So we have a fairly high, as you know, as we've talked about, we have a fairly high PTO accrual rate mm -hmm. on top of 10 holidays, which means people have time that they can use. Now we have um, the open ordinance around sick time, even including SAN employees, so they're starting to accrue sick time as well, so I think three days a year in open specifically. So even our per diems have some time that they can call off sick, and we've seen a, 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 an increase in that. So we have, yeah, I just wanted to ask about shifts. As we yeah. have various kind of shift opportunities yeah. here, like we've got all the four ten, three, whatever. Predominantly in the acute care, we're uh, 12s. Uh, that's not, a, that's not an absolute, we're typically yeah. 12. It's easier for staff. Obviously, you just right. then have a day and night. You don't need a third shift. Um, we, I believe at John George specifically, we have a mix of eights, tens, and 12s. In the ambulatory clinics, it's eights, uh, eight-hour shifts. We have a lot, obviously, we have a lot of proportionate nurses in that environment. I think also at Alameda Hospital, we have a mix of shifts as well. Uh, but here at Highland, which, which is the highest volume, we have 12-hour shifts. Would you find it easier to recruit for the 12s? I, I think it varies. And so, so some people want 12-hour shifts because they do three days and they're, and they're done. Um, very often, they'll have another employment opportunity somewhere else, either as a per diem or a short hour position that allows them to increase their income if they do their 312s. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, sometimes they want to do the 312s and they, pre they can take on another shift even here, which allows them to point. increase their income as well. Um, and so, it, it really is individual specific. I, we have not seen a challenge particularly related to the, the fact that we do predominantly 12s. We used $20 million in uh, registry in 2016. We're on par to use $35 million in 2017. Budgeted six million for 2018. Doesn't seem realistic that we're going to cut our registry expense by 19 million dollars next year. Why? Why is the budget so far off target? So we have. Uh, the reason is that they tend to the budget based on their fees. But what we've directed is that budget the way we actually do things. So, we were hoping so that's not happened now, but it will happen when you bring it to the full board. It's so that's supposed to be happening now. But I think there's there's an adjustment needed in operationalizing the nursing exactly how we staff to reality. And I, I won't go into too much detail, but just came out of Boggan, but it was very clear. This is neither a good or bad thing. We are here in this moment in time. We have a number of positions open, about 79 positions open today, and we want all of those positions filled. And if I filled them all today, I would expect a 12% turnover rate, so I'll have more positions to fill tomorrow. Yeah, and so, I, so it's a cyclical thing. Um, we will always need some element of registry <coughs> for travelers. I can't tell you the exact number because there's some volatility in there, and it's going to be particularly high seasonally around the flu season. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's when it typically spikes, and the cost is going to spike. So as you go through, and I didn't want to run through all the sheets, which really tell you by unit how much we're spending per individual nurse, you'll see spikes in the rate that we pay up to about $99 per nurse. That typically kicked, the contract kicked in during flu season, Kaiser, Sutter, 
dignity to face the, exactly the same problem we do. High demand, low supply at that particular time of the year driving up the cost. What we will also see is a drop in our cost simply because we're dropping down the amount per hour we can pay people because we've seen a softening in the market. And so we expect the, the hourly rate we pay to come down and we close to our vendor about an expectancy that they'll reduce that cost. Okay, and it's, a, it's an expensive way to provide health care, but it's yes. we just need to account for it in our budget and maintain right. our 6% margin and then none of, none of us know what yeah. I'm talking about when I say yeah. um, no, I, I think we're not accounting for it and it's eating into our margins and it's a big issue. Yeah, I, I, I understand. And I, you know, one of the other things, you know, is not to belabor the point, but we've filled 229 nursing positions yeah, that's since amazing. July. Yeah. Yes. You know, and we'll continue on that clip. We're hiring, I don't have this in my top of my head, but we hire, we're hiring about 60 people a month right now. Clearly, they're not all nurses. But we're increasing our orientation, so we're going to start doing them every week. We're, we're looking for other ways that we can increase the, the onboarding of people at a, at a faster clip than we have right now. We're looking at alternatives in terms of the way that we do our pre-employment physicals. We're facing challenges there, and we're trying to resolve those issues so we can speed that process up. Uh, we've started uh, a walk-walking interview process where if a nurse is interested in coming in any given week, we will interview them as a manager available, and we will they will be interviewed by the manager, by a recruiter, and we'll move them through the process much more quickly than we have done. All of which will come to a reduction a reduction in the registry. But clearly, there will be a, an increase in FTE costs as we bring those people on board. So I think it, you're right. It's a budgeting issue at the operational level by unit. How do we expect the staff in reality? 12% turnover is not going to go down more than a couple of percent, maybe three if we do a really good job, and then we will be significantly below local industry average. But we do expect that to occur and start to see that trend. The you know we I did it by quarter because I was looking at this turnover by quarter about. This was one of the underlying reasons why we need that manager training that we talked about at the beginning. You know, turnover is driven by many things. Um, you know, but one of the key things is your connection with your manager. And the high, more highly skilled managers we have, the greater chance we have of retaining them. So there is a connect. There's a clear connection. Is there a particular uh, area in which we acquire the nurses? Do they come from a particular school? Are they? Um, do we, or is it just at random? It's, it's fairly right. I would say the majority of our hiring is local. So when you work in, when I worked at Kaiser in particular, we recruited people from the Philippines, which I will tell you I didn't like. I didn't think of the planning as a good plan. And we recruit people from as far away as Iowa because when you've got 19 hospitals in the Bay Area, you have endless demand. Um, and they saw significant increases in turnover from that population. So our real goal is to recruit people locally as much as possible. One, because we want to recruit from this specific community because that's part of our values. Mm -hmm. But secondarily, because it makes common sense that our turnover rate is going to be low for someone who either already owns a home here, uh, lives with their family here, and it's real community connection. So we see a significant drop there. We are recruiting from most of the local nursing schools when we, we do our new grad program. And so uh, I will tell you that we have the last new grad program we did was all BSN. So it was recruiting only from BSN programs as opposed to all nursing schools. If I'm a patient at that's right, we're running out of time. Okay. If I'm a patient at Highland for for a week, seven days, how many nurses are am I likely to um, encounter as a patient? Fifteen nurses. 
How many different I would say somewhere between, just sort of as a matter of course, probably about six different nurses. Because mm -hmm. in any given day, eight before 12 hour shifts, you'd have two different nurses right. at any given hour. And, and then if they're working three days a week, even if it's the same nurse, which we would likely try to staff the same nurse to the same patient. And yeah. so that changes because all yeah. patients aren't all equal at the same time. But, but if you do that, you even have less same least four and yeah. it, as you get uh, maybe less quality but more well the staffing makes may shift we may be shift to another That's assignment true, depending on the patients that come and go moved. Uh, so you know if you're if you started off you're here seven days it's suggest a, a sicker patient you could have started off in the ICU you could have been diagnosed as graduate to a, yeah. uh, a transitional care unit then from that surge and if they you're going to switch nurses How good is the applicant pool right now? Is it tight or is it? It's it's a little tight. Uh, there are about 100 vacancies across. I have looked at a couple of hospitals recently. There are at least 100 vacancies there uh, across two other hospitals. And so everyone's recruiting. Now, I've heard that Kaiser are beginning to do layoffs in their ambulatory clinics. And so that'll provide some supply. My guess is there'll be workforce placement internally for the majority of that population. And so it's a fairly tight market that's being filled. So is it more in the med surge area? across the board. I would tell you that med surge is the easiest because you can typically do new grad programs into med surge. It's the subspecialty areas that are much harder to find. The OR nurses are fairly OR yeah. is particularly hard. ICU is always hard. Maternal child health is very difficult as well. NICU can be. Well, thank you very much for the report. Um, if, if any other questions? No. Well, I really appreciate your willingness to explain and industry for us. No, no problem at all. I'm, I'm glad to be able to talk. Thank you. Very much. Four minutes, Mr. I'm on it. Uh, so, update on the long-range plan. We are uh, on track on our plan. You can see from the graph here, I just uh, kind of updated with where we're at on the long-range plan. Because um, we're in May now. Uh, since we moved the line over to May, and it's, it's uh, <laughs> on May 4th. So yeah, yeah, the one in my report uh, shows it in May. So that's, uh, that's the update that shows it in May. Yeah. Right. So the slide. My report is fairly brief on what we're doing because we're scoring everything. Uh, it, lots of hours spent in reviewing the documents that came from both Cerner and Epic. We put scores to those. Uh, lots and lots of hours of work. Personally and across the organization with lots of people looking at these, scoring the two different vendors and coming up with scores across those seven categories that I've listed there. Uh, just an update on the Cerner demos. We didn't, it happened after our last meeting. so. In my report, I told you over 350 people. Uh, we did the actual calculus on this. There were actually 550 people who attended the demonstration. Wow. So I would say. Uh, they were I all hours. We're sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 people. Yeah, those are all, all the people there, which did um, show the level of engagement of the organization. Wow. People are committed to this. We had a memo come out from both Devecchio and from Dr. Jamaldeen about uh, participate in this process. It's your chance to get your voice heard about what, where we're going with this. And obviously, the, the people came out to let their voices be heard. We had over 1,360 uh, actual scorecards delivered. So all of those are being tallied up to get to come out with what's the what's the level of uh, performance of Cerner through this process and how well they perform through our scripts. If we had a scripted demo, or just in the way they explained the process, if it wasn't a scripted demo. Are, are you keeping records on how many are actually doing hands-on? You know, playing with the the 
software. Yeah, so we kept track of how many people visited the solutions fair. That's kind of where you got the chance to touch the system yeah. and ask more specific questions to right, see it actually right. work. So there isn't there isn't a setup where you can actually go touch it and a, a plate, a sandbox, if you will, where you can go play with it at this point, because that's not how the demonstrations were designed to be done. But there was the opportunity to go and meet with someone specifically about beyond the, the scripted demos or the question and answer period in the in the solutions fair, if you will, or kind of where all the solutions were available to have that work, to, to have that opportunity to ask that specific question. And ha have you thought through how, because I know this is going to be a huge expense and it's going to be something that, that we're going to have to live with for a long, mm -hmm. long time. Mm -hmm. So ha have you thought through how you are going to present this to the board and what, because I, I anticipate, and I'm speaking just for me at this point, okay. that there will be a lot of questions relative yes. to process, what you've learned, um, and so you might want to give some thought to that particular meeting when it's coming mm -hmm. so that we clear the we clear the agenda and make certain that we have enough time so that you know if you're going to have a group of people come or you're going to have representatives from departments or or it's just going to be David and then we can do him up you know um, I like that idea. yeah <laughs> I thought you might okay. so you would. I, I would give some thought no, on what you, <laughs> you know <laughs> some thought on what you uh, want to do in September it looks like you'll be doing it in September yeah, so just, uh, uh, well, I don't want to take into a, a little bit more, but um, our, our expectation now is that in the end of June, which we recognize, uh, well, if the sequence of the budget goes according to sort of the, the, the three scripture plan, that that will be the um, um, meeting where it, we're asking uh, for approval of the budget. Unless it goes swimmingly well, they may do it sooner. Uh, but but that will be that one, and we expect that uh, if, if, if it plays out like last year, uh, having gone through it twice before that, that there won't be a lot of questions at that point. Uh, but we will spend some time at that point just giving you an overview of where we are in the process, and that's a milestone point where we, uh, at least on the current plan, we're anticipating coming in and say, this is the uh, this is the preferred vendor or the, the sort of highest, the leading vendor, which we're going to go into contract negotiations with, with both, but we are, we're, work, we're leading with, with uh, one vendor or the other, and we'll let you know that. And then in September is when we come back with our full presentation and we ask for your approval, uh, which is a little bit more involved of a process at that point. So, so you're here a little bit in, in, at the end of June uh, just to kind of update you on where we are. The board meeting? In the yes, in the board meeting, yes. And then uh, more detailed um, uh, uh, presentation in September with respect to who, who the vendor will be, what we, uh, what we are going to do. Does that report into finance and then to the board or just to the board? Well, it probably goes, I don't know. Well, because we of the timing in the June time frame, I'm expecting the full board to hear the lead vendor selection because we wouldn't meet until July. No, that's right, but, that but the latter part, which for, is for a budget, part. it is a budget ask when we bring it for, for the approval. Um, we probably should bring that. Yeah, the contract would yeah, certainly come contract, here for review, yeah. IRS and review, legal, outside legal counsel review, so be the first presented to September. finance committee. Uh, that's the expectation. kind of depends on how the contract negotiations okay. go. Right. Uh, you'll see I didn't have a date on this list that so shows are, are when it comes to the board. Are we going to hear from your committee, David, or is it just, I mean, is it you here, or are you going to hear from the committee? 
If you would like to hear from the committee, we can certainly do that. We have position co-chairs of that committee, so Dr. Dave English. I would like to. I would like to hear from. You don't want to just hear from David? I'm just kidding. Sure, we can do that. Yeah, I mean, I. No, it's a big deal, and and I think we should. It is a big deal, and I think that there ought to be that that interface with. That would be for September. Okay. Yeah. We we could probably do some version of that in in. in Yeah, certainly, Dr. Dave English, our CMIO. We'll we'll look at it relatively in schedule. Um, July will be in in the negotiations, so I don't know if it makes sense to do it then. Uh, but, but Is there anything else in your report that we absolutely need to know? Because we uh, need to close this n- meeting definitely. Not essential. Yes, So, like, when you were talking about the demos and, you know, how many, just if you could make, uh, and I'm sure you're doing, that spread, what, what the spread is, are the community hospitals really coming in or are they not? Like, so that every stakeholder group, yeah. different units, business units, all of them are represented. Otherwise, you might have a lot from one and very little from the other. So just making sure that we can cover yeah. that. Okay. I, I, we do know from a physician standpoint from who I saw in the room. So we'd have to go back and look at the actual sign-in list or who turned in their score sheets because people signed their score sheets. Uh, there was participation from all three acute care hospitals. And the uh, clinics as well. And, and the clinics. We would need to keep the signing of that group pretty tight to be able mm-hmm. to keep the sign-in list. Yeah. Well, th- yeah, that I expect that group to be our co-chairs. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Anything else that we need to know from your report, other nope. than you seem to be on track? And we, we are on track. Okay. Any other questions from the trustees? Any other business before this committee? If not, I'll take uh, Mr. Moran. So how do, you, how do you wish to address the, uh, the condition tracking form in terms of the expenses, in terms of, you know, things to add to it or take away from it? Jeff, and this is on page 79, so I, I think we've addressed tonight the first two issues. Um, the third one I can address next month, which is revenue yeah, cycle. Yeah, does that need to be addressed? I mean, it's really between the chair and, and the people tracking it, right? I was going to move it oh, okay. to Cox. And, okay. I mean, it doesn't make any difference, but. Okay. Well, I was planning to bring the um, revenue cycle Obviously, we'll keep uh, Sheila's um, item as, as uh, an item until that part is closed until out that they mm-hmm. gave us. Okay. Um, Mr. Cox will present in um, June. And Mr. Redmond will be taken off the list. And uh, what I heard tonight was uh, you want a briefing on the CapEx process mm. on the Alameda Hospital District funding um, presentation review and a yeah. report on I will put all these in my meeting summary. On the, on so the what, David? The Alameda what? Um, you, yeah. you asked a question about do we track everything. Track and I yeah, all Alameda you need to tell me is that you're, you're tracking it. You don't need to come and show me. Just okay. Well, I mentioned that we're going to make a presentation to their board. I think you said yeah, you'd like so to just see show, it. So. Yeah, okay. just put it in or okay. send it out. Okay. You I take notes for the meeting. and be, There should be uh, the encapsulated and my committee report, and that should drive the action items that they have on the committee. That's what you need. Okay. Anything else? Take a motion to close. Move. Second. Don't move. Ayes?